Hey, podcast fans, this is Chris Webster, founder of the APN, and I just want to thank you for downloading this episode. Please consider becoming a member of the APN if you're not already and helping us make more great shows and get them out to the world. Head over to arcpodnet.com slash members or click the link in the show notes. On to the show. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to The Dirt, a podcast about archaeology, anthropology, and our shared human history. I'm Amber, and Anna is the invisible hand stitching this intro to the episode this week. Which is to say, uh, Anna is sick, so we're taking a little pause to allow her to recover. So I'm still tootling around on writing and some upcoming projects for the show, um, but we are Still very, very grateful for your understanding. But we cannot leave you high and dry. Um, This week, we are sharing a recent episode of Old News, in which we each pick a handful of news stories and share them with each other. Um, Old News is released once a month and is one of two shows available at the absolute dirtbag level of our Patreon. Um, Beyond that is Dirt After Dark, uh, which you get those, you get old news deep cuts and dirt after dark um which is our spiciest monthly episode um so we have almost four years of content over on patreon and it's a pretty fun time if you are interested and in a position to uh throw us a few bones over there um so all of that is available over at patreon.com slash the dirt podcast um So Patreon helps us do stuff like keep our cool website running, um, that is thedirtpod.com, but it also makes possible the work we do uh, with things like Pass the Mic. Uh, So Pass the Mic, then remember, remember that's our student grant competition for attending conferences. Um, So the deadline to apply for our student conference grants is coming up in a couple of weeks, if you are listening to this on uh, the the time-ish that we release it. Um, So please do get your applications in and nudge your students. For now, enjoy this episode of Old News and let's all cross our fingers that next week we'll be back on track. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support and send some love to Anna over on Twitter at Anna Goldfield. All right. Take care. Talk to you soon. Watch for deer. Bye. Welcome to Old News, the bonus episode where we share old things that are news to us. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Did you freeze? No. Did I? I froze, didn't I? No. <laughs> it's, oh. I was just waiting for you to do the thing that we just talked about five seconds ago. <laughs> okay. Well, to get us started. Okay. We've, we're doing what we did last month, which I think we will do. Forever. Anna and I have each found four-ish stories, and we're going to just, like, pitch them to each other um, and then chat a little bit. This comes from fizz.org. Uh, ready? Nice. Uh, just 
starting off with a bang. Human bones used for making pendants in the Stone Age. And so this study that is written up in fizz.org was published in JAS Reports. Jazz Reports. scooby da bop And so this is the actual Stone Age, the one in Africa? The, no. Uh, Stone Age is, remember any of those things that end in lithic? Paleolithic is also a Stone Age. I thought that, I thought that the practice was, it's only Stone Age in Africa. And outside of Africa, it's Paleolithic. Yeah, so the the convention, and that is a that's a loose term because it's something that not everybody sticks to. Confusingly, mm-hmm. is yes in in Europe and elsewhere outside of Africa, you see Paleolithic, etc. Um, in Africa, you see late Middle and early Stone Age. But in this case, the title re- uh, reflects a study of material from Russia. So. Okay, yep. so this could be like a little editorial ish, and not like an author ish. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the okay. the JAS reports folks uh, specifically opted for Stone Age. I can go back and okay. check if you would like. Well, no, no. I just, I just wanted to make sure that I understood that. No, you're it, right. And again, it's something that yeah, it's like, like a, it's a convention, but there's also three other ones that you can choose from. <laughs> so helpful. Okay, here we go. Cool. <laughs> Burial finds dating back more than 8,200 years, 8,200 years, were re-examined after 80 years. So the original excavations were carried out 80 years ago. It's not like a word problem. Yeah, it, there's a... <laughs> bones traveling 8,200 8, years. Dimitri has 12 bones. The... And- <laughs> Okay, so the the original excavations were carried out in the 30s, 1930s, on the island of Yuzhny Oleni Ostrov on Lake Onega in Russia. The remains of deceased individuals and various objects from 177 different graves were exhumed. Um, and so at the time, the bones that were analyzed were classified as animal bone, just kind of broadly, unless it was identifiable to species or taxon. But 80 years later, we've got zooms. So that's zoology by mass spectrometry. And so uh, a team of researchers went back to this material and tested a bunch of the bones with zooms. And that is uh, a way to kind of extract collagen peptides and use that as a fingerprinting system to figure out what species the bones belong to. 12 out of the 37 bones examined were human. Which is a third-ish. The most dangerous animal. Mm-hmm. So the purpose of using human bone is not known for this context. Like There isn't a clear meaning. Um, in ethnographic studies, human bones have been variously worn to honor ancestors, to degrade enemies or absorb characteristics from enemies and can also be associated with cannibalism but I'm, I'm not saying that's what's happening here i'm saying that there are lots of reasons why there might be human bones used in archaeological materials so that's just like a general roundup of ethnographic causes yes. like yeah and not and like not saying like descendant communities like local no, like no, 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 no. indigenous people nothing like that it's just sort of like globally yeah we find when we ask people why are you wearing that human bone? They say, Bleh. 
one of these yes. things. And so and presumably it could other be things one of these as well. Or not one of these things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So the interesting Just wanted to clarify. <laughs> Thank you. So the the interesting thing about I mean besides the fact that they come from humans, uh the interesting thing about these bits is that they've all been modified to have the same general look. So like they've been shaped. So the bone pendants may have been substitutes for lost tooth pendants in ornaments and rattles. So like was this what? just bone that happened to be lying around and it was used to replace and, and you know the people who made it didn't necessarily know that it was human bone or was this a deliberate inclusion of human bone in these okay objects i don't know the researchers themselves in the paper say that it's particularly interesting that the same type of bone pendants were made of both animal and human bones so they were found in the same contexts as the tooth pendants so to like uh, what are you saying tooth pendants like Human tooth? No, no, animal, animal tooth? tooth. So this is exactly so like a little like so kind of thing. I know you really don't like thinking or talking about teeth. Sure don't. But animal teeth, especially like cervids, deer, um, um, horses, um, their teeth have long roots, and so yeah, it's like a little cone that comes up from the tooth itself, and so often that is either. Um, incised or or has a hole drilled through it and then that is the pendant so it's like a dangly it's like a okay. a drop earring you know yeah like a bloop. okay okay sorry about the tooth stuff um yeah. at the very end of the article <laughs> at the very end of the article the researchers also made some conjectures about spirituality and connectedness to the animals around the landscape but i think that was just something a little spicy for the end of the article so right yeah, just like, That's cool. you know, aspects of the human and the animal combined. It's like, well, let's slow our roll. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like conclusion sections like that, that like ultimately end on like, oh. Yeah, it it was that. It was just sort of like, like but yeah. what about this? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, my first story is about crime. <laughs> um. So, I'm probably going to regret I mean, laughing. <laughs> it was just at your No, your it's delivery. okay. This one is... I'm very tired, everyone. Everyone needs to know that I just got back from California on a red eye. And I'm gearing up for a solid week of volunteering in my community. So I am both pre- and post-tired. But <laughs> I found a story from Archnet. Mm. Um French authorities detained two archaeologists, including Louvre curator, as part of an ongoing international art trafficking dragnet. <laughs> so, this is exciting. Is this because I told um, you I was a, watching The Art of Crime? Or is this a, no, a happy no, coincidence? There, you'll, see, you'll, see, you'll see why I included this. Okay. Because it pretty immediately is like, oh, oh excuse me? <laughs> Go on. Um, so this case, this this instance mm. of detaining, um, yeah, allege. Um, I don't know what allege it is. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't either. <laughs> allege, um, allege cream um, involves quote at least two allegedly stolen Egyptian antiquities worth millions, and um, okay, I didn't. I don't know what I did. Okay, so it involves at least two allegedly stolen Egyptian antiquities worth millions 
and uh, implicates the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Um, so wow! Over the past, they have wait. There's a there's a a Louvre so annex. Let me. No. Okay. It's it, it it's its own thing. Okay. So um, this was starting the last. This was starting in like 2010. So, it, like the last 10, 15 years, um, the Abu Dhabi government has been making a huge push into the like museums and cultural heritage space um, because this is part of the ways in which Gulf states, like the GCC states, uh, that have like tremendous wealth from like state-owned oil, like petroleum industries, um, these are ways to diversify their... Um, their, their state economy. And so they're trying to move into, um, into cultural heritage, into tourism. You see this with some of the stuff going on in Saudi, uh, and sort of investing in, um, like in, in investing in investing, like also in their sort of like pre-Islamic, um, history. It's- and so the, this idea of like, well, why can't, like, why don't we have like a world-class, um, Point and like also where they are geographically would make sense. Sure. There's sort of like this this great like sort of waypoint. Yeah, an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> yep, something between um, so, two goes. <laughs> so uh, that's the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Okay, is a Louvre in Abu Dhabi. Okay. There's also like a Guggenheim. There's um, there's there's there are several museums that are interesting, um, and they get like yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Like okay. sort of like the museum industry in the Gulf is a whole thing because um, some of it like some of it is um, some of it's just like genuinely good for like knowledge and global heritage and stuff. But there's also some stuff that's like really. Uh, you can be a lot more cynical about about how this is sort of like the art market in general. Like art yeah. has always been a good source of like money laundering, mm-hmm. and and this is also a good way to do like political theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are so this is this is the background to crime, the cream. Yeah. So the two people who've been detained for questioning are Jean-Francois Charnier, who was the who maybe still is, I don't know, mm-hmm. scientific director of um, Agence France Museum, um, okay. who is like a consultancy. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you more about the AFM is what they go by. Um, and then Noemi Dalsay. So Dalsay is currently a, a curator at the Louvre um, and was head of the archaeology department of AFM. Ooh. So Charnier was the scientific director of AFM. Um, Dalsay was the archaeology department um, and now is a curator at the Louvre. Um, and their job in 2017 was, um, and so AFM had been hired 
for this purpose. And they were the ones doing it of certifying legality and provenance for the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Um, so Dalsay also is currently an advisor to Afalula, which is a French cultural, so a French cultural agency trying to develop cultural stuff in the Alula region in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, I think I've mentioned stuff about Alula. Like it's this, um, it's, it's pretty massive. Like it's um, very cool stuff that they're just starting to uh, develop and permit archaeologically for because money, money um, fingers. <laughs> um, so they worked. So here comes more of a Louvre connection. Um, so they worked with the former Louvre director, Jean-Luc Martinez, um, who was president of the AFM Scientific Committee from 2013 to 2021, and he was the Cultural Heritage Ambassador of France um, until last month when they fired him and charged him with, quote, complicity of gang fraud and laundering. Hmm. Um, and and I guess he's like complying with the Southern District of New York um, with a separate thing. Um, but so they all knew each other. They all worked for this for AFM, this sort of private company um, that. OK, here's what's really fun about it. One of the OK, so first this I didn't write this down, but I remember this. One of the things that they did uh, was uh, a statue with like a staff or something Mm -hmm. and it was i think it was from the tomb of tutankhamun Mm -hmm. or it was it was affiliated with him okay um and so there were fake papers (laughs) and uh like real thing fake papers and they were like no you good and and went through and so it's estimated that um at least 50 million euros worth of materials had like that have been stolen um, and trafficked have been approved by AFM for incredible position. Great by, track record. Um, the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Um, there's also, it's hard to tell what's going on because they're at like, this is very much going it's underway and that there were, um, there were pressures from the, um, like basically like the cultural heritage ministry maybe at Abu Dhabi, like, like a, like a state agency and whoever their connection was, was just like, you got to close, you got to close on these. And so it's like, Oh, were they under a ton of pressure and they were doing this? Were they getting kickbacks? One of the guy, one of the, like the, well, uh, one guy, uh, Charnier, I think was the one who had like a bunch of like deposits in his bank account from these, um, two guys who run an antiquities if I've learned anything from Shop. these French crime shows, it's that, like, the accounting is really usually a linchpin. It's just like... Yeah, it, it, it just feels like these sort of, like, Venmo. I mean, like, here's 16,000 yeah, bucks. Thanks, like, bro. Kiss, kiss. You gotta do a show like, company. Sort of, yeah, so... Um, do crimes so, better. So this stuff is going on. And then here's something that's very fun from the idea of, like... Are these future crimes? Is this something like sort of how is this legal kind of thing? So I'm just going to read a quote. Okay. Uh, pulled from the company's website. Oh, no. <laughs> um, the AFM was founded in 2007 as an international consultancy firm to help create the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Though private, it has shareholders in the public sector, the largest of which is the Louvre Museum. 
this particular configuration. Okay. So that's, that's not from their website. I'm sorry. That is context. That's what, that's what it is. So they, their, their majority shareholder is the Louvre. Um, and, and they are staffed by people who work at the Louvre mm-hmm. and they are a private company that is trying to hook up the South, the Emirati government, not the Emirati, the Abu Dhabi government. It's a federation. It's not Emirati. Um, just, just keeping it on the up and up. Um, but they say, quote, this particular configuration, a private organization with public backing, means that France Museums is able to support all kinds of projects. Wink. Wink. So I would think, looking at that, that it means that they're unable that they are able to support really one kind of project, which is grift. Yeah. So cool, right? Sure, grift with a side of like laundering. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, so that's my first one. Thank you. Oh, you, thank you. Um, my next one comes to us went mostly from the Associated Press. So this starts off starts off somber, gets better. So um, the headline from NBC News by way of the Associated Press is excavation at Gray. Nope, sorry. Excavation of graves begins at site of Colonial Black Church. So this is Colonial Williamsburg. So the first Baptist church was formed in 1776 by free and enslaved black people in Williamsburg, the colonial capital of Virginia. Members initially met secretly in fields and under trees in defiance of laws that prevented African-Americans from congregating. The First Baptist's original church was destroyed by a tornado in 1834. The second structure, built in 1856, stood there for a century. That building was bought in 1956 and raised to build a parking lot for Colonial Williamsburg. So that sucks. And the Colonial yeah. Williamsburg Museum itself, which because it's still a museum, it's, they do the living history stuff with reenactors and... Uh, yeah. Big, big tourist attraction uh, made made no acknowledgement of the black population, many of them enslaved, that made up at least half the area's population at the time. But these days, Colonial Williamsburg is changing its storytelling. In a way, the for the previous version, this is like my like saying like the film Three Hundred is yeah, historically, yeah. Accurate, historically accurate, like to the to the source material, like this. That's Kind of, I'm not saying it's good no. or what I want to see, but it is kind of accurate to like the period because like maintaining these the invisibility of yeah. yeah 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 like the like the invisibility and like the in like the the, mm. the dehumanization yeah. of some of the people who live there. But just say I like to it, be clear, like, Colonial Williamsburg <laughs> is now trying to do better. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. the remains of that church's structure. So the the second one that was. Uh, knocked down in 56 were found in October, 2021 and excavations focusing on the structure began in January of this year, 2022. And so as of this month, July, 2022 excavators have determined the location of the church's burial ground and have begun excavating the graves to learn more about the people buried there and how they lived on July 18th, 2022 
descendants of the church community held a prayer and vigil service to commemorate the lives of those that had been, and I'm quoting, temporarily lost to history. 41 grave shafts have been identified so far. The First Baptist Church descendant community voted to have archaeologists excavate three of them to learn more about the race, age, and sex of the people buried there. One of those graves had a wine bottle placed at one end, making it the only burial site that appears to have been marked in any way. So these didn't have headstones. These were just uh, grave shafts. The archaeologists might be able to tell things about the remains, like the person's age at death, stature, major injuries, illnesses, physical stresses, and general quality of life, and possibly with isotopes, place of origin. And so once excavated, um, and this is very sort of newly ongoing, so once excavated, the bodies will be taken for DNA testing in the hopes of connecting the deceased to their living ancestors. So, yeah, could be better, but good job trying, Colonial Williamsburg. I mean, that's like commendable that should be why they're doing like that should be to my mind that should be why colonial williamsburg exists yeah towards like understanding mm -hmm. and sort of like rounding out the the, like the history like complementing history with more nuance yeah um because otherwise like you're just one of those like uh Otherwise, you might as well just yeah, like weirdos. Like it's just LARPing. Otherwise, yeah. (laughs) Well, going from uh huh, what do you got? LARP, LARPe to larvae. Wait, um, is this a Chinese story? Yeah, we chose the same story. From Jinhua? Yeah. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. I told you what I picked. That was like two years ago. It was four days ago. I don't know when it was, but I, it's been a long week. I know, buddy. It's okay. Um, Go ahead. You do it. Well, thanks. So 5,200 year old stone carving chrysalis found in North China. It looks like a gnocchi. (laughs) Did you say that? (laughs) Yes. So, okay. So this is from Xinhua. It was found at the Shangguo site in Yuncheng in Shanxi province in northern China. I have here written on my script that was not shared with Anna because I was on my work computer and I don't have the dirt drive on my work computer so I can't see what Anna's working on. Tiny little guy, 2.8 centimeters long and 1.2 centimeters in diameter at its thickest. Looks like a gnocchi. I didn't write down that it looks like a gnocchi. I had that thought separately. Uh, well, uh, so, no. um, so, <laughs> so, um, little, little dude, um, was dated by, um, uh, ceramics that were also excavated near him, near them, um, which suggests that, uh, it dates to the late Yangshao culture. So the later end of the five to 7,000 years ago range. Mm-hmm. And um, silkworm cocoons and uh, chrysalises um, have been excavated in Yongcheng City. And so this carving is helpful for studying sort of the origin and the spread of intentional silk production. Yeah, I included it because I wanted to say you looked like a gnocchi. <laughs> Can I add some stuff? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you got a different, you got like different story. Cause that was, 
everything that I found. Oh, I looked a little more into it um, because I was I was satisfying my own curiosity. So, okay. in 2020, um, scientists had announced that they found a slightly older stone chrysalis. So, to be clear, these are carved. These are not somehow fossilized actual <laughs> little yeah. moth gnocchis. Um, uh, about 6,000 years old, so a little older than this guy, at a nearby site in Shangxi. So that stone carving helped scientists feel more confident that the Yangshao people had already grasped silkworm cultivation by that moment in history. Like the silkworm cocoon was an important thing that you would make a little yeah. object, an art, an objet d'art. Um, so here's a cool thing. In 1926, Li Ji, often regarded as the founding father of Chinese archaeology, found half of a real cocoon at a Yangshao archaeological site. Experts believe it had been cut in half by ancient people to observe the silkworm's metamorphosis. So, if you are someone who is harvesting silk from, from silkworm larvae, you have to do it at a certain time in their life cycle, because when the silkworm is in its cocoon and it's ready to bust out and be a beautiful moth. Um, it secretes this enzyme to break free that ruins the silk because it, oh. it like dissolves, it sort of dissolves kind part of it so that it can go. Meh. Yeah. Um, so people would have needed a good grasp of what the cocoon looked like at different phases of the moth's life cycle in okay. order to harvest okay. the silk efficiently, which yeah. indicates aspects of sort of the for- formation of this as an industry rather than just like, a really so local like thing a, that people did. It's like a Votec program, like the <laughs> vocational technology program. Yeah. You go and you like, you're like certified. Yeah. To- like you have to here. here is a lineup of six little cocoon carvings. Choose which one is optimal for harvesting. Yeah. We had that in my, my high school. We had not so, so probably not we for so like, though. We did have aquaculture until, they had to stop because people kept peeing in the tilapia tank. Um, but, but the fish liked um, it, actually. <laughs> tilapia uh, yeah, I think it was more the exposure issue and less the... Bottom feeder <laughs> pee-pee-eating fishes. Um, uh, which is why they popped off in the 2010s, because they could be raised in prisons. Mm-hmm. Real bummer. don't pay them. Yeah, but in my high school, we had, we had programs where... Um, you did your like core classes in the morning and then there was a, like, a vocational program where by the time you graduate from high school, you are within, you either are certified in something or you're within a couple months of certification for stuff like um, nursing assistants mm-hmm. and welding. It's good to sort of like start a career. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, basically so running yeah. starts. And, um, and so they, they had stuff like, like agriculture and all agriculture. Mm-hmm aquacultural stuff like land judging my high school is a national champion land judging team so just like looking out over a holler and going "Mm." that's what i thought but it turns out they like they basically kind of like scratch at the soil and they're like ah yes it needs this this and this like the topsoil is this don't grow this here do this i mean like the i figured it's just sort of like it's just like wizardry and it's just these like these teens going out there and being like, "Yep, basically, I'm a dirt wizard." Yeah, yeah. So ah. I like the thought of it being like a like a, a vocational program. Dirt that, you know, you do your yeah. Um, 
you you know, you do your, your classes in the morning and then you go boil you some go to, worms. You had a moth class. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> oh, I'm failing moth. <laughs> I, love, I just want to be a mathematician, but I'm failing moth. Oh, oh man, I would have been a mothlete. Ah! It's Chris Webster again. If you haven't checked out our new parent website, culturomedia.com, then please do. Culturo is spelled K-U-L-T-U-R-O, and it's where we promote all of our live events. We've got one coming up in November. Check it out over at Culturo when it gets posted. If it's already happened and you're hearing this, then as a member, you can go to your member pages and see the event recording. Our live events are always free, but you have to show up during the event to see it. So that's culturomedia.com for all our live events and more. Culturomedia.com. Chris Webster here, founder of the APN and host of several shows. I just wanted to let you know about our membership program and what it offers. Members of the APN get, for just $7.99 a month or cheaper if you pay for the year, ad-free episodes so you don't have to listen to me on the breaks, membership in our Slack team so you can continue the conversation with hosts and other members, and exclusive access to any of our live event recordings. Live events are always free, but you only get to watch the recording if you're a member. So head over to arcpodnet.com slash members for more info and to become a member. Our podcasts are always free, but this is just a little something extra and it really helps us out. That's arcpodnet.com slash members. This is Chris Webster at the APN. I'm also a project manager for several industries. I wouldn't be able to keep on track with really anything if it wasn't for Motion. With Motion, I just say what I need to do, how long I think it will take, what sort of priority I think it has, and Motion builds my day for me. It'll even build in breaks because, let's be honest, it's hard to remember to stop to eat lunch sometimes. So head over to arcpodnet.com motion for a free trial and a discount if you sign up. You'll kick back a small amount to the APN if you do. That's arcpodnet.com motion. Okay, what's up next? Well, you I have only one more. I think you have two more. Is that correct? Oh, I have two more. Yeah, yeah. so why don't you do yours and then I'll do my last short one. I got a one. really exciting one. Oh. I'm going to do this short one next because it's like not as amazing. Okay, and then I have a short one <laughs> um, and then you can and, really bring it and home. And then I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. bring it on home yeah, with yeah, something yeah. extremely cool. Wait. Okay. <laughs> Is it the same as mine? Where's yours take place? Northern Spain. Mine is in southern Spain. How old is yours? One and a bit million. Okay. No, that's not the same. Okay. <laughs> Great. Hit me. Mine's around 2,000 years old. Okay. So this comes from nine news. How, how many um, news? <laughs> it's, I'm guessing it's not a German site. No. Nine. No, it's nine. Oh, nine news. So um, here we go, because this is just like I'm including this because I'm. It's like something that I'm just like, huh? But like people are freaking out about it. I'm just like, it's not. It's not that exciting. Rare coffee beans dating back 167 years ago found by archaeologists working on the Metro Tunnel Project. 167 um, whole years? And the framing of the story on 
annoying news <laughs> is um, is truly embarrassing uh, because it's quote confirming Melbourne has always been Australia's coffee capital. Um, just like Shh. get out, <laughs> like yeah. Like, so I, I quoted that and then wrote embarrassing. So those are my notes. Uh, um, would you say they're execu- breaking new grounds? <sighs> It was excavated in 2018, um, and they they say like, oh, we found this like really amazing, this like amazing assemblage of different types of of artifacts, um, and so here is a quote: the John Connell General Store burnt down in the Gold Rush era, which preserved more than 500 coffee beans, along with English biscuits, fruit remains. And other perishables that would not ordinarily have lasted the test of time, end quote. Because they were carbonized. Truly amazing assemblage of different types of artifacts. Amazing. Um, it is really, it is, I mean, it is interesting, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how cool it is, but, um, so this, um. I wonder if they still so, smell like coffee at all. Probably not. I don't think they did. Yeah. I don't think they did. Um, but you can see photos of them. Okay. They look like coffee beans. I bet they, they do. They look like burnt coffee <laughs> like beans. Like extremely over-roasted, sure. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so it's thought that it dates to um, like around 1853, the gold rush. Just- and this part of the country was 1851. Okay. Um, tracks and so are there historical records of that store because they it said it burned down but clearly someone so, noted that it was there well uh, yeah i probably was on like some kind of city plan or something i, I would think that it would be because it's the john connell general store mm-hmm. um and so yeah just a little oh and they are hoping to put all 500 of the coffee beans on display for the public God, i hope they so it's like frame a, them individually I a little shadow um, box for each that, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I think yeah, little pins there are like like, like little, an entomological like specimen. Butterfly, yep. yeah. Um Yeah, like I think it's cool. I mean I think archaeology is cool all the time, whatever. Um I think it is um really embarrassing to mention multiple times to be like, they love their coffee in Melbourne. And and also just sort of like this is this is what you get. Like this is what you're like reaching for. Someone had a, a like, word sort of, quota to reach, and no, no, I'm just saying make... like for no, I'm not, I'm not saying like why why this was newsworthy, but just sort of like why is this <laughs> like this like this is like si- like historically like significant of just sort of like you have like tens of thousands of years <laughs> of people living here, and you're just like oh, I found a coffee beans. <laughs> like you know, it's like hard to hair i guess sure like yeah. that that it's sort of it's um the the degree of like impact doesn't doesn't jive with the the possible other stories that could have been yeah. reported and sure there's like plenty of i mean there's plenty we can take from like what's happening with the the gold rush commerce in mm-hmm. In Australia, and sort of nothing good there, but very little. Uh, 
But we found some beans. Found some beans. God, if I were working at that site, I would be the most insufferable because I'd be over there wet screening like, I'm doing a pour over. Uh, <laughs> <get> fired. <laughs> um, okay, give me your story. All right. So from Archaeology Magazine. Jawbone discovered in Spain may be oldest known hominin fossil. And so if I said hominins and northern Spain, we are at the site of Arapuerca, which is, yeah, I'm so mad that I didn't, we were in Burgos, which is where Arapuerca is for a conference and we didn't go on the excursion to see the caves, but we did see some of the stuff in the, in the museum, but I'm, I'm mad that I didn't go. I threw my back out. That's why. So. Arapuerca. Got so mad you threw your back out. No, I was... No. No. <laughs> no. Done that before, too. Um, so Arapuerca is already a site known to contain some of the richest deposits of early human and hominin... Human and... Let me enunciate that. Human and... Human and, human and, <laughs> human and hominin remains in Europe. Um, they're Neanderthal remains from there there's this incredible uh like i I remember it as being like at least a foot long uh red stone biface that's called excalibur it's just like oh metal um (laughs) so previously and and it's this massive site it's a a cave that's where cima de los huesos is cave of the bones so previously, the oldest remains found there, also a jawbone, dated to 1.2 million years ago. Now, a different jawbone fragment has been found in a layer six feet beneath that other one. Oh, so it took them like 30 years. <laughs> 30 more so years, yeah. To it. <laughs> Dental picks. Beep, beep, beep. So now, <laughs> the, the new champion for oldest jawbone chunk dates to 1.4 million years ago which if you're just looking at the numbers 1.2 and 1.4 seems like eh. but that is tens of thousands of years yeah hundreds yes tens tens and tens two hundreds two hundreds of thousands of years (laughs) 20 tens of hundreds (laughs) Uh. researchers are going to date the fragment um hasn't been done yet and it may correspond to homo antecessor which is one of the very first hominin, like pre-Neanderthal, very first hominin populations to get to Europe. So we know they got to Europe? Well, so we've talked about this a little bit, um, and I, I think it was in the Box Grove episode. Um, and so we know that Homo heidelbergensis was in Europe. Um, and so that's sort of a pre-Neanderthal. Yeah, in Doggerland. <laughs> yes. Uh, and elsewhere, but there is very limited evidence for maybe another older species that was in Europe, but seems to be morphologically different from Heidelbergensis. So it's something else. And so it's, it's called Homo antecessor, but there are very few examples of fossil remains from like enough that it could just be a of Homo heidelbergensis that is like earlier or later yeah or so like in the like an individual yeah. with like 
but like you no, know, I don't think it's like an more, it's, uh, like it's one like idiosyncratic thing. No. no, 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 like no, no. Okay. I don't know enough about it to be more specific, but okay. in the same way that. Remember we've talked about like, like Homo ergaster versus erectus, like when it's in Africa. Yeah. So there's like a two ends of a very long timeline. Maybe it's something like that, but um, there's a debate okay. about whether it's its own species or not. This this also could be something that we discussed like at breakfast when I like <laughs> think of a question to ask Naomi. <laughs> when you pull out right. your long scroll of questions <laughs> and unfurl it at the table, like I just. <laughs> I just like stare at her until like she picks her coffee up to her mouth and then, then like, you ask the question. So how do we know? <laughs> yep. Um that's cool. We love having you as a guest. You're always welcome. <laughs> Hey, fans of APN Podcasts, we've got lots of designs over at our Tee Public store. Every purchase helps out the APN with a few cents back to us. Check out the high-quality t-shirts, stickers, phone cases, coffee mugs, and a lot more. There are lots of colors to choose from in most of those items, and Tee Public often runs 30% discounts. So check out the store at arcpodnet.com shop. That's arcpodnet.com shop, and click on the link. So this comes from Esbania, specifically El País um, in English. Uh, headline, a massive tsunami destroyed the Spanish city of Seville in the third century. New study Woo! finds. Like, extremely cool so story. So many floating oranges. Um, which, uh, that's before then. Oh. So it op- so the story opens with an anecdote of two Roman inscriptions that were excavated in Sevilla, um, like in the province of Sevilla. I just um, I want one of them to be just like ah wave est. No, no. <laughs> maybe uh, sinus. No, Un- undo doesn't matter because that's not what they said. They're from um, so Se- the Sevilla province is in southern Spain. Um, and they were made sometime between 245 and 253 CE. And, uh, they implied, it implied that the Roman province of, uh, Bitica, which is roughly correspondent to, um, Andalusia. So Southern Spain, mm-hmm. um, the, they were exempt from taxes because they were like a, a Prowincia immunis, um, due to, it didn't say that. Oh, okay, but it didn't say why. Okay. So nobody knew. They were just like, oh, like they got a break. They for just some didn't. Reason. They yeah, they got a tax break, um, and so that was that was in the seventies that those were found. Um, earlier, so within the last couple of years. So this is a new study that's been published, um, but um, it has to do with excavations at a public building at uh, Patio de Banderas, which is um, in Sevilla. It's right by the main cathedral. I've been there. It was really hot. <laughs> um, so that's where that that's where it is. So Sevilla is like on the on the river, um, and and so Sevilla during the Roman Empire was a port city of Hispalis. Um, so the site is. Because uh, it was like a river port, like yeah, how, like Alexandria's, where like rivers are really wide. 
Mm. Um, yeah. So originally, um, originally it was, it was excavated and they were like, Whoa, something happened here. But like, it wasn't like, it couldn't have been a tsunami because the site is 22 feet above sea level. And, um, in Roman times was 25 miles from the Lacus Ligostinus, which is a a lagoon. So like there was, there's the Atlantic Uh ocean and then there was a lagoon Uh and then 25 miles in was, uh, Uh Uh Um, uh but now it's 45 miles away, um, from, from the lagoon. So, um, I'm going to quote from El Pais. The first team of archaeologists to study the site concluded the ancient building had been repaired several times under the Flavian dynasty, which is the late first century CE, um, but especially between the years 200 and 225 CE. So, uh, when there was quoting the authors, widespread collapse of the architectural remains and most of the southern walls appear to have been displaced from their original position by external force, always in the same direction toward the northwest. End quote. What was so happening in the southeast? Went, <laughs> um, so the, this was a team of, um, I think, Spanish and North American. I don't know where in North America. Sure. Um, uh, scientists that, that did this and they went all in on an interdisciplinary approach. Okay. Um, like they just like try, they just tried everything. I like that. Like, What's going on that. here? Yeah. So they used carbon, carbon 14 dating, micromorphology, mineralogy, geochemistry, micropaleontology, ultraviolet fluorescence, microscopy, microscopy, um, accelerator mass spectrometry, radiocarbon calibration, and ceramic and material science, um, among other techniques, <laughs> to um, like what more is there? Re, re-examine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they did like micro and macro stuff to be like what happened there. Yeah. They were particularly interested in um, quote a micro laminated deposit alternating sandy and silty beds and with abundant fresh fragmented shell. Um, end quote. <laughs> It also had bits of brick columns, several calcarinite ashlars, um, so that's bit Big of old, wall, yeah. um, plaster and paint, a fluted column, fragmented marble from different Mediterranean quarries, oh. an inscription, and a complete marble votive relief typical of the cult of Isis. Something so just... all kinds of stuff that did did not come from inside that building no. um, in this deposit. And so the conclusions are that um, a highly energetic event occurred um, that damaged the building and washed all that other architectural stuff in. So a wave hit the walls. Hit them like so the hard they exploded. Pushed. Yeah. They, they, well, they didn't explode. They all shifted. But they um, like it like knocked the building off its foundations, or it just kind of. I it it damaged it. Okay. I don't think that it. I like it, it damaged it. I don't think that it demolished okay. it because it continued to be in use. Um, but it hit it. It was just the, like the walls six got feet the, to the, the left of where it used to be. Well, like, I, I don't I don't think like that much. <laughs> but like it it definitely like it got bumped. Okay, and then it got flooded. And the flood water had all this other stuff in it. And then the waters receded and that stuff settled. Um, and so given all of the tests that they run, like the, the 
the relative stuff and some of the more I bet especially stuff the, they can do. the geomorph was very helpful with the like in the surrounding landscape like where where the sediments that laminated layer i don't know that i like this is in downtown sevilla oh like in, okay like, they, they didn't it's like next it's like next to the main cathedral like they're not they didn't take like cores <laughs> sediment cores yeah they're not doing that but um but in terms of dating the stuff that they the date that they were trying to get is that it's thought that this happened sometime between 197 and 225. Uh, so that lines up with like the late Flavian period, mm-hmm. like when they would have patched that, it up and stuff. Got that tax break. Um, yeah. Um, and, and so here's, I'm going to end this with a quote. With the data we actually have, this is from the authors, um, and considering the distance at this point from the coast in Roman times, about 25 miles, and also taking into account the distance from this point to the coast in Roman times, which is around 40 kilometers, so 25 miles, 40 kilometers, uh, we affirm that the most probable origin of the deposit identified is the combined action of an energetic storm, which might have produced waves and currents in the Lacus Legostinus, energetic enough to transport estuary and marine fauna together with oh extreme rainfall and flooding from the Wada, uh, river. So it was, um, a storm got whipped up big enough so to, it was just like, catast- it was just like a catastrophic storm and the lagoon like busted out. And so that's that shell that like that yeah. first shell that was all like lagoon stuff. So the water pulverized came like 25 miles. It. Wow. I don't know that. I mean, I, I, I realize that this is, I'm, I'm being pedantic, but not for the reason of just being pedantic. I just, I'm trying to understand like a tsunami isn't, is, is seismic in origin. Isn't it though? I think the tsunami is a wave. Okay. Um, and tsunamis are generated most commonly. Okay. Like, I think I think the word tsunami means wave. Okay, and I think it is a wave of something that, um, but but also it's formed by like it pulling back, and then by that like yeah, no, I in, understand by, that by impact just... or whatever. Like I'm pretty sure that um, tsunamis are something that happened like when you know when we get hit by comets every 11,000 years mm-hmm. or so. But, you know, like, the sort of, like, meteoric events or things like that, I think those can cause tsunamis. Okay. I think... I like, was just I just laboring I don't think there are a lot of things... A misapprehension. ...that cause... Waves to go tsunamis. so big. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Because I was... When you originally said it, I, I was expecting there to have been evidence of a seismic event. And so, when you were just like, no, just, no. just fit, horrible, terrible storm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just I mean, just like giant wave, like that's that yep. doesn't mean is could be like yep. just like oh they got really into you know Furbies or something. No, like that's wave. a fad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but also I think that there's a lot of stuff that we. I know that I know we don't. I'm not talking about the ocean anymore. We don't know a lot about the ocean just in general, and so the whole idea of like rogue wig waves, rogue, rogue wigs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, rogue waves like weren't believed to exist until i know yeah recent memory like that that kind of stuff of just like there could be like other things that oh, no, uh, no thank you yeah so that's, that's incredible my last story yeah right yeah. that is that is the way to bring it on home 
Cool. Thanks. Thanks. Excellent stories. We, the singularity finally happened, and it was fine. Gnocchi. No. It's a gnocchi. All right. Thank you so much, listeners. We will be back with more bonus content just as soon as we can. Yeah. We really appreciate yeah. your support, and uh, we're doing our darndest. To we and we've got some we've got some stuff in the pipeline. Yeah, I um, I got not do just some... recording stuff, but also sort of like like listener supported. Yes, action indeed. Um, okay, well I'm gonna go back to bed now. Okay, night night. Um, it's been great talking to y'all. I hope you have a good one. Yeah, hang in there. We'll see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. You could also consider becoming a member so we can keep content like this free and available to all. Check out pricing and info at arcpodnet.com slash members. Thanks again and have a great day.